Amen. Put your hands together. This team, I tell you, has been here a while. Always do a great, great, great job. Take uh, your Bible or your iPad, your iPhone, or some technological instrument that you might have, or the Bible in the pew in back of you, and let's take a look at James 4. I'm going to read that text. James, the fourth chapter, verse number 13. And let me tell you why <clears throat> this message uh, actually was uh, birthed out of, um, out of this experience that I had, uh, I think, this past Monday morning. Sharon and I had, uh, had uh, gone to breakfast, and uh, there was a guy that was uh, two or three tables away, and uh, he, he was at the table first, and a little bit another individual uh, came, uh, sat down at the table, and the guy who was there first was a big guy, uh, but he was the talker, you know. Uh, I mean, he just, it was just yak, 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 yak. I mean, on and on and on and on. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes we need to stop talking and listen. Anybody with me? And that's what I wanted to tell him. But I didn't because I was with Sharon. And, um, and so uh, I heard him make this statement. He kept talking and he was this guy's, you know, trying to encourage him. And he, he said this and he said, hey, who cares? Who cares if it's right or wrong? He said, don't ever worry about right or wrong. Just live your life. He said, just live your life. Don't be concerned about what's right and what's wrong. That almost brought me to my feet. I thought, I, I have never heard anything so ridiculous. Just don't worry about whether it's right or wrong. Just live your life. And I thought to myself that he may not be the only person in our culture today that believes that. But James takes issue with that in James, the fourth chapter here, that's in the New Testament, verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And as it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, what? His what? Sins. When I was a, a little younger than I am now, uh, probably my, my young 30s, uh, I used to, I worked with uh, Brother J. Foy Johnson, who was the district superintendent, and my job uh, was to do uh, just to get it done, and uh, I, I knew how to put it in gear, I knew how to get it done, and uh, uh, just that's the way it was. But Sister Johnson, bless her heart, had a favorite saying, and, and she, I would hear her say often to people or to Brother Johnson, and her own inimitable voice, well, if it's the Lord's will. And as a young, like 32, 33 year of age, I'm thinking, if it's the Lord's will, I mean, this is the work of God, you know, let's get out there and do it. 
You know, also, you've heard me say before, I used to dislike in a great way, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. Please help me. I used to think, I hate that song. Do you know what one of my favorite songs is today? One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking to you. You know what one of my favorite phrases is today? Lord, if it's your will, amen, if it's your will. How many of you know that that a little bit of age ought to wise you up once in a while, amen? Now, I know a lot of people that they're just old as Methuselah, they hadn't wised up at all. Well, I, I gave the message to today as a gift from God. And we know as, as we get into that, just remember what I shared with you initially. The only thing that lasts forever is eternity. And many in today's world believe that they're never going to face eternity. It's just never, never going to happen. So they don't prepare for it. Uh, they don't live like it will happen. And they don't even think about it. You know, just live your life. Understand, and when you live in a culture like that, as we live in today, even as a Christian, unless you know your biblical foundation and you know what the Word of God says, then you'll get swept away in that just, just live your life. You see, in a society like ours where the reality of death and eternity seem far, far away, then you might say, why be prepared? Why be prepared? Why not live your life like you want. I want, I want to live my life this way. Um, why be serious about morbid thoughts like one day you're going to die? Well, buddy, I want you to, I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of it until then. Um, why not be your own person? Why should anybody, including God, even try to give you sage advice and and why act like you're not afraid of taking your last breath? I've been around long enough now. I know a lot of people, that's what they thought until they came to the realization. They're right near taking that last breath. And you know what they wanted? Prayer, 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 any way they could get it. James is beginning to speak to a group of people who fit that mold right there. He's speaking of principles that is scripturally based and he said, listen, everybody, there is a fine line. There is a fine line between being confident and being dependent upon the Lord. Being confident and being dependent upon the Lord. Well, that confidence, God, I'm confident. But listen, it is better to say I'm confident, God, especially when I know that you are working through me. So here's a point I want you to savor in your spiritual uh, taste buds. Tomorrow may never come. Say that with me. Tomorrow may never come. It may never come. You never know what might happen in your life, how life is going to get twisted, how just on the news tonight, three teenagers running down, uh, running down a major highway, speeding, of course, lost control of the vehicle, and, of course, crashed the car, hit the bridge, hit a pole, car caught on fire. All three young people perished last night. Somewhere between that accident and today, those parents received, two brothers received a knock on the door by a state trooper. I'm sorry to report to you. 
there's been an accident and gave that bad news to two families. Happens every single day. As we understand, he's addressing the issue that every successful and self-confident person needs to consider. Now, we all ought to be confident. If you believe that, say amen. I think there's a difference between confidence and cocky. Amen? A fine line. How many of you know somebody that's really self-confident? Come on, help me out. Come on. There you go. How many know someone that's a little bit C, cocky? Yep. I'm glad some of you raised your hand. You hit the nail on the head. You see, in his time, James, looking through a lens of the Holy Spirit, being led by Almighty God, he realizes that the people in his culture are having enormous success. Enormous success. They were busy every time you turn around. They were self-absorbed. They uh, were seriously motivated in everything that they, they did. They knew what it was to, to uh, be broke. They knew what it was to be a pauper at times. And now things are going well. And they were becoming more and more independent, abstract from God. Look what I have done. And they were boastful and proud. Wow. Well, that same spirit still exists today. And their security was in their possessions, in their possessions, in, in their material possessions, in their money, uh, etc. And they were absolutely in control. And James looks at that and he said, Houston, we have a problem. You folk have been mighty blessed because of God. You have been blessed because you are an individual that is a generation and a people from God but somewhere along the line, you have reached a place to where there haven't been nearly as many problems or challenges in your life, and you've had free reign to be able to really make a lot of hay while the sun is shining. And he says, you run here and there making big plans, but, you have, but have you considered tomorrow may never come. In other words, that little tag like the tail on a kite is to cause you to keep your balance. You've made your plans and you've forgotten that, that tomorrow may not come. So what, how, and what are you doing to be certain that if and when tomorrow comes and it doesn't bring you the news like in Job's case, how are you going to manage then? Genesis 11, verse number 4 says, Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of this whole earth. Now that statement was made not long after the flood. No person that survived the flood in the ark deserved to be there except one person. And his name was what? Noah. Noah was the only one that deserved to be on that ark. But God's love and God's favor for Noah and because his desire was to reproduce, he extended to Noah 
a part of your family is going to be able to enjoy the safety and the security of the ark that you are building and being humiliated about. But guess what? When you have gifts and you have favor that you don't earn, when you have pleasures that you don't deserve or you did not work for, it's hard for you to put a value on something you didn't earn. And what did they do? Wow. They had friends that didn't make it that drowned in the flood. And it was right after the flood that they made, or that statement was made, let us build ourselves a city. They had survived. They survived because of that relationship with Noah. And they carried the attitude and spirit of a prideful generation. In other words, what they didn't do is say, God, Noah, we are ever so thankful that we were a part of your family and you stayed true in building that ark. Noah, we want you to know how, how humble we are that you stayed the course. Even though there were times that we thought that you were crazy, you stayed the course for Jehovah God. And as a result of that, because of you and your relationship with God, I made it. I want you to know, Noah, the same God that caused you to survive and the same favor that you received and because you received it, I received it. I am never, never, never going to turn my back on Almighty God. He has my life. And yet they were prideful. They thought, okay, we made it. What can happen now? Especially since we had the word that there will never be another flood that will take life out like that. So we don't have to go down to the boat place and buy us a boat. It just is not going to happen, that prideful heart. You see, we are told that preparing and planning for tomorrow is all right. And we know that if our heart is right and our motives are right and our goals are right and security is not in what we have, but it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this is good Christian stewardship. He says you can plan for tomorrow in good Christian stewardship. That's understandable. At one time, I did estate planning. I had all kind of families from those who couldn't rub two nickels together and to those that had, had multiplied millions of dollars, to those that were physicians, those that were lawyers. I sat down and helped plan their estate. And I taught that. That's good, solid Christian stewardship. You know, what are you going to do with, with the assets that God has blessed you with? I told them, Mom and Dad, if you die and there's no lineage descendant of grandparents or other family relatives that survive, then the state is going to have control and authority over your children. Make plans to determine who the guardian is. Or if, in fact, you have money, a house and land, insurance policies, etc., and you have no one to share that with, and you don't choose to say, give it to the church. Did I say, give it to the church? 
or anything of that nature, here's what's going to happen. If there is no one to take that, the government, the state of Florida, is going to take those assets and distribute them as they choose. I said to them, did you know that the very land that you own does not belong to you, even though you have a title deed to it? All the land in Florida belongs to the state of Florida. You just happen to have a title deed to it. And as long as you show a transfer of the ownership of that land, then it goes where you decide it goes. But if you don't, that land asset will go back to the mothership, so to speak, the state of Florida. But there are many today, and I said to couples, who's going to take care of your kids? You got kids, you know who wants them? His side of the family her side of the family and you know what'll happen if something happened to you dad and mom both sides of the family you know what they're going to do it's almost a perfect fight well the kids loved us as grandma and grandpa the kids loved us as granddad and granny they loved us we should have them and you know what's going to happen your kids are going to suffer because you chose not to be a good solid christian steward to say in the event of my death my children's guardian will be this, and they shall reside with that person. In the event that person cannot make bond, in the event that person does not qualify, then I choose a second guardian, and it's this family. What you've done is you practice good stewardship. This is what he's saying. He said, if you're a good Christian steward, it's all right to plan for tomorrow. How many of you think that makes sense? Say amen makes sense we discover that we understand it but this is what this is not what james saw james saw prideful hearts we know that he noticed that the more successful they were the more they took life for granted i don't think any of us who are professing believers want to take god for granted do we but there is another question is it possible that from time to time we do take him for granted and i think the answer to that the honest answer is yes yes we do chuck colson wrote and i quote he said life isn't like a book he said life isn't logical or sensible or orderly Life is a mess most of the time, and theology must be lived in the midst of that mess. Sometimes, he says, you just don't know what to do in this thing that we call life. But he said, this book will give you ample guidance if you're paying attention to help you through it. Number two, what is your life? Would you say that? What is your life? You know, what is your life? What is it? How do you deal with it? What is it? Tomorrow may never come. So what is it? What is it about my life? And here's where James writes, and we read it, James 4, 14, the latter part. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. So James addressed their presumption that tomorrow will come. And uh, he wants to interrupt their world and ask the question, hey, what's your life? 
You guys, come here. Let me ask you the question. Simple. What is your life? When he gave the question, he answered it just like that. They didn't even have time to think. He said, let me tell you the answer. It's a little mist, and it disappears just like that. It's a mist, and it disappears. He's provoking them to think about their prideful security and desires them to remember this, their own inadequacies. Their own inadequacies. Well, how, how, how about that? Numerous people, of course. Rose. Rose, we prayed for Sunday. Asked God to minister to them. In her shift as a nurse, she fell back, passed out, could not talk, put her in a coma. Harold called her husband, called Tim on the answering service. Tim was in Mexico. Answering service called his number. He was in Mexico. He answered. He called here. He said, here's an emergency. We called. That was Saturday night, Sunday morning. Between services, I called. I said, Harold, what's going on? He said, Pastor, I just never would believe this. She was at work. I got a call. Get here immediately. He said, I'm, I'm in her, the intensive care. He said, they say she can't talk. She can't do anything. He says, it's a stroke. They're doing testing now. Well, Harold, let's believe God. Let's trust God. He said, these are, I can't believe this is happening. I cannot believe it. What is your life? James asked. Just a mist, a vapor. I can't believe it. I said, we're going to dig down, boy. I want you to know you're not alone here. And we sent up prayer warriors up to the room there to, to pray. And Sunday night, Sunday night, that was between services Sunday morning, after church, we mentioned it all day, after church, Sunday night, Jeff went up there, prayed for Harold, service again. Wow, how wonderful is that? Monday morning, in the night, Harold wasn't there, but his daughter was there. The doctor came in, or nurse. I'll put it this way. Some medical personnel came and began to prick her foot. And she said, ouch. They were shocked. From that moment, she started talking. The test came back, the MRI, no stroke, an adverse reaction to something that created that kind of circumstance. But you will never tell her husband, but what God did not come down in that room and give her a miracle. Amen? And I'm happy to report to you, she went home today. What is your life? Some of us are old enough to understand just how quickly that can happen. What is your life? 
Well, here I have a few questions. Just for the sake of ministry, is God a motivating force in our lives? Is God an afterthought? Or if my goals are achieved, who do they exalt in this life that I'm living, this mess that I'm in? If I could advance to the sunset years of life, what would I leave behind as a Christian heritage? Or how much does God have to compete in order to get my attention? How long does he have to knock before we pause and say, Oh God, speak to my heart. And how vulnerable is my life to God? How vulnerable am I, Lord, to you and whatever you say? And today, whose kingdom am I building? Solomon, possibly in Proverbs 19, 21, says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that does what? Let's read it on three, everybody. One, two, three. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Wouldn't it make sense every day to wake up and say, Thy will be done? Wouldn't it be wonderful to say, God, this is a lot I've got on my agenda. I'm going to shift it on into high gear, but I sure need your guidance and your, your help today. James warns us to be careful about how we approach this thing that Colson called mess. We call it life, and he shares with us about success and pride and taking too much of those things taking too much room in our hearts. Success and pride. Who can touch me? Obadiah 3 said, The pride of your hearts has deceived you. You who live in the cliffs of the rocks and make your home on the heights, you who say to yourself, you to say to yourself, Who can bring me down to the ground? And do you know what? He says, I can. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. Are you with me? Do we understand it? The precious moments that we have together, we have an example of a fool. That example is found in Luke 12, 16 through 21. Remember this successful man? He had all the comfort and care. Have you ever heard this phrase? Everything they touch turns to gold. Hello? Everything they touch. Well, that was, that was his testimony. He was determined to hold the assets and all of his blessings. So he said, hey, I've got so much, I need to build bigger barns. I need to store it here. He's holding on. I need to build bigger barns. And he decided to take it easy because he felt he was in control. And God said, you're a successful fool. This night, your life will be demanded of you. And if that were to take place, and we read that story, what happened 
to all that. What happened at the times he could have served in church but didn't? What happened to the God-given talent that he had that he never used it to build the kingdom? What happened to the sharing of his own time, sacrificing for others who would have no idea what it's like to sit down to the kind of meal that he would sit down to every day? Luke 12, 21. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Lord, if it's your will, James says, what is your life? Paul Powell wrote, and I share it with you, he said, pride is so subtle that if we aren't careful, we'll be proud of our humility. He said, when this happens, our goodness becomes badness and our virtues become vices. We can easily become like the Sunday school teacher who, having told the story of the Pharisee and the publican, said, children, let's bow our heads and thank God that we are not like the Pharisee. Finally, careful. Be careful. Seek God's will. I want God's will in my life. Amen? But I don't want it to be an accident. <laughs> How about you? I don't want it to be an accident. I want, I want to say I, I want God's will. I really do. I was uh, dealing with some papers uh, this morning and just going through them you know and I, I don't know some of you that are like me I don't have to I don't the newspaper I don't read every word my brother reads almost every word every deal and if I want to know what's going on I just call him up and say LL what's in the paper today because he hits it about 5 30 well you got this and that and this going on and that well what about you know I caught a whiff of something in Haynes. Yeah, there's nothing to that, yada, yada, yada. I read the paper, look at it. If it didn't jump out and grab me, I've turned, I'm, I'm, I'm through the next one. It doesn't take long that to take place. Then I throw the paper in the garbage. So that, that's enough of that. But in the process, in the process of time and understanding that, he said, instead, in James 4, 15, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. And say, wow, I was going through those papers, and I'm just ready to chunk them, chunk them, chunk them. And I did throw in the garbage and went to turn and go on to something else. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, reach back in there, pull those papers out. How many know the Holy Spirit speaks to you that way? And I said, listen, I know what was in that file. You know, there was nothing there. 
That's why I chunked it. I, I breezed through it. The Holy Spirit said, listen, reach again. How many know that you ought to listen? And so I did. I reached in there, pulled the papers out, went through it, put them all back in there, and didn't see one living thing that I needed to deal with or bring my attention to. Nothing except this. I'm glad you're still sensitive to my voice. That was all she wrote. And I thought, wow. Maybe the next time God speaks to me, it might be something really big. But God needs to know that we know who's in charge. Y'all with me back there? He needs to know that we know he's in charge. So we say, Lord, we understand. James makes it really simple. He says, be sure you approach life with humility. Live life with confidence. Seek God's plans first. Be prepared to forsake your will for God's will without making God compete and don't boast of what you have done boast about God and what he has done in you it goes like this the psalmist in Psalms 40 I desire to do your will O my God because your law is within my heart and 143 Psalms teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. I pray that someone who's listening online listened carefully. We don't know what tomorrow, we just don't know that. And God, we know this, that life is a mess. We certainly agree with that. And if we're not careful, we'll let culture, and we'll let the culture of the church that often is slipping away from their passionate focus on you tell us how we ought to live and react and what we ought to do. But God, here's where it's at. All of us have that personal altar and we can have a thus saith the Lord. Noah's boat would have never sailed and would have never been built except him every single day in the hot sunshine putting one more plank to build that boat until it began to look like an ark while catching abuse and ridicule all the way. But he had one voice that said to him, Noah, this is what I want you to do. And then, Lord, there are times like Jesus when he knew what the will of the Father was. 
and that was to die and go to the cross. But God, your shoulders are big enough that he said, Lord, can I tell you what I want? Can I tell you how I feel? And God, you're big enough to let us express that. But at the end of the day, we need to say like Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. And from that moment on, history as we know it took place that a Savior died, went to the tomb, and the third day came forward and liberated us from death because He made that decision. We never know that as we're following you and we understand the, the power of time and purpose, we never know how just being obedient to you, how that's going to bring dividends, maybe not in our lives, but, but in the lives of those that you've given us influence over, maybe grandchildren, and God, maybe, maybe children or great-grandchildren. The sad fact, often our grand or grand great-grandchildren don't follow by the same rules of discovery that we are raised in because of the different culture. But Lord, salvation never changes. The need to repent of our sins and confess them never changes. I pray you'd bless every person in this room. And folks, just in case there's one standing here or seated here, or here on the ground, or in the balcony, or online. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Would you do that? Everybody together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins. And I believe there are some things in my life that you are calling me to do. I want to be available I don't want to take you for granted. I want to move in your spirit. And so today, I recommit fresh and new to your divine will. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Put your hands together and let's just thank our Heavenly Father for the abundance of his blessings. They're going to sing this song. If you need prayer, we certainly want you to come. If you need healing in your body, or you've got something, that, and this will resonate with someone, you've got something that you're trying to struggle with making a decision over. And you believe you certainly want to do the will of God, or you might be a victim of someone else's choice. And you want to bring that down here and just say, God, here am I. Anoint me. As we sing this song, for whatever reason, would you slip down here and then I'll give the benediction. Would you do that?
Let's worship the Lord, shall we? Father, I thank you tonight for your power, your anointing, and your wisdom. Well, boy, you sure, sure gave us a lot to consider in our spirit, man. And Lord, we just don't want to let it be a drive-through. We want it to be a sit-down opportunity that we use our spiritual taste buds to, to taste what you have fed us tonight. So in the name of the Lord, we know that it is not by might or power, but by your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit of God, speak to us, speak to our hearts, and let us have a conversation about what you said to us tonight. We thank you for this moment together. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, everybody. See you Sunday morning. Have the balance of a great week. <laughs>